Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Well, so good to see you all here this morning. Um, it's uh, such a privilege to be with you, and I have to say, you're a very gracious church. You're allowing a Queenslander to come into your midst after State of Origin last week. So I'm a cane toad in a nest of cockroaches this morning, so it's great to be with you. Um, you know, I, look, I, I'd love to tell you I care about it, um, but I don't. I'm from South Australia originally, so I, I love the AFL. Uh, so I'll, I'll pretend I care this morning so that you can feel good about it as well. So... How brave are your senior pastors sleeping in the back of a V-dub in July? In July. Oh my, my goodness, that's amazing. It's fantastic. And, you know, it's such a privilege for Sue and I to be with you this morning. Um, as Darren said, we met on a compassion trip, uh, went to Haiti just a, a number of months after the earthquake that ravaged that, that nation. And it was such a privilege to be there and so humbling to see the work of compassion and what they do there. And, uh, you know, got to, got to spend a, some quality time with, uh, with Darren and we've connected at various conferences, the Hillsong Conference and at church planning conferences over the year and really got to know his heart and have heard, heard a lot about your church here at Northwest and such a privilege to be able to share with you uh, this morning. So I've got a question for you. Think of your favorite movie, your favorite ever movie. It could be from your childhood, it could be from last week. Think of your favorite movie, and then think of your favorite scene in that movie. Favorite movie, then your favorite scene, the iconic, the, the, the scene that that movie is known for. What would it be? What would it be? Just think about it for a moment, and then I want you just to turn along to the, side, to the person alongside you and just share what that movie and what that scene is. Okay, go. All right. Have we got it? Have we got it? I'm about to show my age this morning. Okay. I, I was watching TV uh, a few weeks ago and uh, I saw the movie that is actually quite an old movie. Who remembers the movie called The Great Escape? The Great Escape. Steve McQueen. It's all about the prisoners of war escaping from uh, a German, German prisoner of war camp. And this scene where Steve McQueen is about to jump to freedom on his bike and into Switzerland. And it's a fantastic, it's an iconic scene. You might have thought of this scene if you have any romantic bones in your body. Does anyone remember this scene? Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, okay. We all go gooey and gushy at that point. But my favorite movie, my favorite movie uh, is the third in the Indiana Jones trilo trilogy, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So it's a fantastic movie. And, and in this particular scene uh, that I, I still remember to this day, um, we, we find Indiana Jones coming. He's on a quest for the Holy Grail, this, this legend of the, uh, of the cup that Christ supposedly drank for on the cross that has these healing properties. And uh, his, his father, played by Sean Connery, has been shot, and he needs the healing properties of this, of this Holy Grail. And he, he, he's following a map, and he comes to this chasm, and, he, and there's this, 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 this dry drop-off into nothingness, and there's no way seemingly to get across. But on the map, it shows this, this image of a person stepping out into the air. And, and so he closes 
his eyes and he takes a step of faith. You remember this scene? And then, miraculously, with wonderful CGI Steven Spielberg magic, a path appears and he walks across and he gets the Holy Grail and his father lives and so on and so forth. And I remember when I saw this scene, in, in that moment, or just reflecting on it afterwards, I reflected on a verse from Scripture. It's interesting how you make these connections sometimes. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And the writer of Hebrews then goes on to list these great women and men of faith who take these enormous leaps of faith, not knowing the outcome, but believing that God was faithful, that God would provide, that God would make a way through. And so this is what we see in this image And what I want to speak about this morning, what I believe God has laid on my heart for you this morning, is that God wants to plant in some of us this morning faith for the first time or faith again for the miraculous. That our God is able to do abundantly more, exceedingly more than what we ask for or imagine according to His power that's at work within us. To have the faith for the miraculous. You know, faith, trust, an unknown future to a known God, in the words of Corrie Tin Boone. Faith takes the first step, even when we can't see the whole staircase, in the words of Martin Luther King. Faith expects great things from God and attempts great things for God. Faith knows that some things need to be believed to be seen. Faith hears the melody of the future and dares to dance to it. God wants to put in us the faith to believe for miracles in His name and for His glory. I love the story in Luke chapter 7 of a Roman centurion whose servant is desperately ill. And he sends his servants to Jesus who's in Capernaum. And he says through his servants to Jesus, Jesus, my, my, my servant is ill, but you have the authority, you have the, the power to make him well. Please come. And Jesus continues on with his ministry, but eventually he starts to go to where the servant is. But while he's on the, on the way, while he's on the way, the, 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 the centurion sends servants and says, look, don't bother, don't bother coming. I'm a man who lives under authority. You have authority. So just say the word. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And, and in this moment, we read in Scripture in Luke chapter 7 that that, that, that Jesus is amazed. He said, I've not seen such faith as this in all of Israel. And so when the servants return, they find, they find that the servant has been healed in that moment. Just say the word. Here's my question for you this morning. Do you have just say the word faith? Do you have just say the word faith? Some of you might Some of you might be in that season where God has planted in you that that just say the word faith, but some of you might not be in that season. What miracle do you have faith for this morning? Is it a miracle of healing? A miracle of provision? A miracle of salvation for someone in your family? What miracle do you have faith for this morning? Here's the good news. Here's the good news I want us to explore this morning. Even if you don't have just say the word faith like the centurion, God can still give you the faith for a miracle. He still can. 
He still can. And I want us to look at a story that, that I hope will explain that for us. God can and will perform miracles in your life. I love this quote from A.W. Tozer. He says this, Anything God has ever done, He can do now. Anything God has ever done anywhere, He can do here. Anything God has ever done for anyone, He can do for you. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that? That our God is able. That our God is able. So what I want you to do, I want you to turn, if you have a Bible with you, to, to Luke chapter 11. Sorry, Luke chapter 5. We're going to read a story of one of my favorite characters in the Bible, a man called Peter. I love Peter. I really do. And uh, this is a story of his call into ministry and the, and, the, and the miracle that accompanied that. So Luke chapter 5, reading from verse 1. Let me read it to you. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw, the waters, uh, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything. Can anyone relate to that? But because you say so, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large amount of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he said, for he had, and he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up from the shore, left everything, and followed him. It's an amazing story. And it's so typically Jesus. Here's Jesus, not in a synagogue, not in the temple, but in the everyday lives of everyday people. Going to the people and, and sharing the good news. He, he's done it on the seashore. He's done it in people's homes. He's done it in the streets. He's done it in the fields. And so here are the people who are crowding around him, wanting to hear everything that he has to say. And as he comes down by the, by, the, by the shore of the lake, he sees Simon's boats, the crowd are, are, are pressing in against him, and he needs a place where, where he can preach. And so he signals to Simon, to, to, to Peter, to come over with his boat, and he gets onto the boat, and he goes out into the water, just a, just a few, 10, 20 feet offshore, most likely. And so Peter's boat becomes a pulpit for Jesus, becomes a pulpit for Jesus, this tired been out all night fisherman, disappointed fisherman. Is there any other sort of fisherman? Disappointed fisherman, waiting to go home to see his family, waiting to go home and to just have some sleep, have some rest, and to go out the next night to, to see if he can catch a fish for his family. But in this moment, Peter, asks, Peter is asked by Jesus to provide a platform for Jesus' proclamation. And that's what Jesus does for us too. He invites us for our lives, for the life of this church, to be a platform for the proclamation of His good news. Jesus doesn't need us. He didn't need Peter, but He chooses to use us. Isn't that good news? 
He chooses to use ordinary people like Peter, like you and me, ordinary churches like Northwest, like New Life, to be platforms for his proclamation of the gospel. It's wonderful news. But then Jesus makes this stunning request. He, he preaches. Eventually, the crowd disperses. And then Jesus says to Peter, put out into the deep water and let down the nets. Now, at this point, I can imagine Peter just rolling his eyes. He's a carpenter telling a fisherman how to fish. What does he know? And there's two surprises here. First of all, on the Sea of Galilee, to this day, fish are caught mostly at night, in the dead of night. That's when the fish would feed. So that's when you would catch fish. It would be in the middle of the night. During the day, fish would be sheltering under the rocky crags that were under the surface of the Sea of Galilee. The other thing about fishing on the Sea of Galilee, most fishing is done by the seashore, where there are fresh springs around which the fish congregate. So you fish at night and you fish by the shore. You don't fish during the day and you don't, certainly don't fish out in the deep. This is not how you fish on the Sea of Galilee. But Jesus says, row out into the deep in the middle of the day and let down your nets. Peter's response, I love Peter's response. He says this, uh, if we go on. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Between the lines, I'm tired, I'm smelly, I want to go home, I want to have a sleep, I want to see my family. That's the response. But then, but then he goes on to say this, but because you say so, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And so he rows out. And I can just imagine Peter rowing out. Because you say so. Because you say so. Because you say so. Right out into the middle of the lake, lets down his nets and gets a catch of a lifetime. A catch that almost breaks the nets. In fact, a catch so large, he has to signal to James and John and others to come over with their boat. He doesn't yell out to them because the sound will travel across the water. He doesn't want to signal to the other fishermen this fantastic new fishing ground they've found. He wants to put down GPS coordinates right there. He doesn't yell out. He signals, come on, come on, come on, come on. They let down their nets and the two boats almost sink in that moment because they've caught such a miraculous catch of fish. We don't know how it happens. We don't know whether Jesus miraculously schooled all the fish together or he knew about a particular place that no one had come across for centuries before. We don't know the how of the miracle, but we do know this, this was a miracle. It's the middle of the day, it's the middle of the lake. This is not when you catch fish, certainly not an amount of fish that will capsize two boats. And so we see in this moment that Simon's life in the middle of a miracle is turned upside down. And that's what miracles do, isn't it? They turn our life upside down because we come front and center with the supernatural power of God where we can only stand and say, only God, only God could have done this. Only God could have healed me. Only God could have provided for me. Only God could have given me an answer like this. And those moments are life-defining, faith-defining moments that change our worlds. What I want to do, the time I have left, is give you four observations from this story 
that can, we can apply to our own life that remind us of the miracle-working power of God and the, and the power of because you say so faith. The power of because you say so faith. The first observation is this. Miracles are a sign. Miracles are a sign. You know, in this story, we see right at the start that Peter addresses Jesus, first of all, as master, rabbi, teacher. Jesus was recognized and he was honored as a rabbi, as a, as a prophetic teacher, as a teacher of the Jewish law. But after the miracle, after he has this encounter with the divine presence of Jesus, who does Jesus, Peter address Jesus as? Not as master, but as Lord. As Lord. Miracles are a sign of the divinity of Jesus, that he's more than a teacher, more than a rabbi. And there are many people in our culture, even in our churches these days, that say that Jesus was a wonderful teacher, but that's all he was. But what the Bible teaches, what Scripture tells us, is that Jesus is Savior and he is Lord. He is God. He is God. Miracles are a sign. Before the miracle, Simon or Peter, he respected Jesus. After the miracle, he worshipped him. After the miracle, he worshipped him. Miracles are a sign that the Old Testament prophecies, which are many, had been fulfilled in the presence of Jesus. The prophets like Isaiah and Elijah and Ezekiel and others who had said, when the Messiah comes, the, the, the lame will leap with joy, the, the blind will see, the mute will, will speak. All of this has been fulfilled in the presence of Jesus. You know, the point of a miracle it's not the miracle itself, but to point to the miracle maker himself. That's the point of a miracle. Miracles bless us, but they point to Jesus. They, they, they lead us into a place of worshipping Jesus. The end point of a miracle is not our benefit, but God's glory. Before the miracle, Simon respected Jesus. After the miracle, he worshipped him. And Peter, the professional fisherman, leaves his nets forever. His world is turned upside down. His world is turned upside down. So observation number one, miracles are a sign. Observation number two, miracles are a foretaste, a foretaste. You know, Simon in this miracle has a foretaste of what his life is going to be like. This miracle was perfect for Simon, absolutely perfect for Simon. Jesus knew what he was doing. This was no accident this was perfect for Simon because after the miracle happens, Jesus says to Simon, Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will what? Fish for people. You will fish for people. It literally translated, from now on, you will catch alive people. You'll catch alive people. And we scroll forward three years after three years of formation, of being with Jesus, of walking with Jesus, learning from Jesus, eating, sleeping, talking, arguing with Jesus. Simon, on the day of Pentecost, after Holy Spirit fire and power is poured into his life, gets up on the day of Pentecost. How's this for a first sermon? Gets up and preaches the gospel of grace. And we're told 3,000 are added to their number on that day. We read this in Acts chapter 2. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. How awesome is God? Here it is that, prophet, that prophetic word of Jesus fulfilled that he would catch alive people. In heaven's testimony that day. And what this is a foretaste of, 
on the day of Pentecost when all the different tribes and nations were in Jerusalem. That God will begin, will bring together every tribe, every nation together before the throne of God. And there we will worship Him in spirit and in truth. I cannot wait for that day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I grew up uh, in, a, in a country town in South Australia called Narracourt. And my mum is a fantastic cook. Uh, homemade parsley, homemade bread, homemade cakes. But my favourite thing that she used to bake was ginger fluff sponges. You know, they were fantastic. Just this wonderful... You don't get a good sponge these days. So sponge cake, if you know what I'm talking about. But I used to love, when I was a kid, when mum was baking, she'd get the old mix master out and uh, she'd be baking and uh, she'd be preparing the dough for this, this sponge cake. And I used to hover around the kitchen. You, you may have been like this as a kid. You may have kids like this today. I used to hover around the kitchen waiting for one thing. When the beating was done... And when those little beaters were ready and I'd be given them, and who used, to, who used to love, who still loves licking the beaters? I love licking the beaters. Why am I telling you this story? After, after the, 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 the dough had been prepared, as I, was licking the, as I was licking the beaters, the cake would be put into the oven. And while I was waiting for that cake to come out of the oven, I was getting a foretaste of the good things that were coming. Miracles are a foretaste of a better day that's coming. The better day that's coming is this. Well, there'll be no more cancer, no more heart disease, no more diabetes. There'll be no more anger, no more pain, no more sadness, no more tears, because God will wipe all things away. In the words of J.R. Tolkien, when everything sad will become untrue, when we worship Jesus in spirit and in truth, and all disease... All, all sadness, all sin will be wiped away. Miracles are a foretaste of that day. Miracles are a sign. Miracles are a foretaste. And miracles also remind us that there will always be more reasons to doubt than believe. Let me be real. Let me be real with you this morning. Now, Simon had many reasons to stay near the shore rather than to row for deep water. He had lots of reasons to stay near the shore rather than row for deep water. No one catches the fish out in the deep. No one catches fish in the middle of the day. And you might be here this morning with a whole heap of really good reasons not to believe for a miracle. There are a lot of different reasons that people have for, for not believing for a miracle. I mean, some of us in this rationalist, scientific sort of age think that talk of miracles, and we hear this in our culture all the time, is just superstitious mumbo-jumbo. Some, even in the church, would say that miracles happen then, but they don't happen today. Some would say that miracles are performed by charlatans and they're just fake. It's the ultimate fake news. There are many good reasons. But perhaps the most personal of all, that some of us find it hard to believe for a miracle, is that we've been disappointed. We've prayed for a miracle and the miracle hasn't come. We've prayed and we've prayed and we've prayed for a family member to come to faith and it hasn't happened. We've prayed for cancer to be healed and it hasn't happened. 
we prayed for provision or for some other need that we have and, and it hasn't happened. The truth is that there are many reasons for us to stay close to the shores of certainty rather than to row out to the deep waters of uncertainty and faith. There are many, many reasons. And let me be really real with you now. That's my story as well. 20 years ago, you know, I went into a doctor's surgery and I was having a medical, preparing to be a pastor and uh, had some tests and they said, we need to send you off for some more tests. It was for, for a superannuation sort of medical sort of thing and sent me off for more tests. I knew I was in trouble when they sent me to cancer outpatients and uh, there were people having treatment for leukaemia and myelofibrosis and these things. They took a bone marrow test and they discovered, even then they didn't really know what I had, they discovered that I had a disease. They gave it a name and, and really they said, we just need to monitor it. And so for the next 15 years, that's what they did. They monitored it. I didn't have any treatment, didn't have any need for any medication. Prayed that God might heal me. But for 15 years, it was just there in the back of my mind. Then five years ago, I was preparing to preach at church. And it was two minutes before the, our second service in the morning. And um, all of a sudden, the room started to spin. I got this really bad vertigo really, really bad vertigo. And I had to sit down at first, then I had to lie down. Uh, and this, you know, there's a whole heap of people in the room, the, the pre-roll's running. I call over our, our youth pastor and said, you're preaching this morning, mate, two minutes before the service starts. Um, they wheel me out in a wheelchair in front of all the people. They call an ambulance. I'm nothing if not a drama queen, that's for sure. And they take me to hospital. And what they discovered after a whole series of tests, it's a disease that I've been diagnosed with 15 years before, had progressed and progressed quite dramatically and they gave it a new name and a really scary name and they gave it cancer and uh, in fact my hematologist said you have one of these two forms of cancer and both of them had a terminal diagnosis and for two weeks after having another bone marrow test we waited for that diagnosis to come back and eventually the diagnosis came back and I remember sitting in the haematologist room with Sue and, and the haematologist almost being disappointed said, well, you have cancer but not the two nasty ones. He was almost disappointed in that moment that he'd got it wrong. And, and I remember, you know, we, we prayed with our elders. Our elders prayed for us. They anointed me with oil. And uh, for the last five years, you know, I have, uh, uh, you know, basically taken some medication but you know, essentially the, 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 the disease that I have has, has, has stagnated, has basically stalled and hasn't progressed any further, which I'm so incredibly thankful for, to God for. But here's the, the point I'm making. Some point over that five-year period, five years ago up till now, up in, for about three years, I stopped praying for that miracle. I stopped praying because I, I think subconsciously I got to that point where I thought, I don't want to be disappointed anymore. You know, as much as God was stalling things, He was staying things, He was holding things back, and I'm incredibly thankful for that. Every time I go see the hematologist, I get the news that it's all looking fine. But I'd stopped praying for that miracle. And then 18 months ago, I was in, we have our prayer and worship nights four times a year where we, we, we move in the prophetic, we have words of knowledge, we pray for healing. And I'd been praying for you know, probably more than a dozen people that night. And I was walking from, from the church back to our house, which is only a 40-second commute away. And as I was walking across, God just dropped this truth bomb into my heart. Why didn't you ask? Why didn't you ask? 
And so every opportunity I've had since, I ask, I seek, I knock. And I will keep on asking and I'll keep on seeking, I'll keep on knocking, believing that one day God will heal me completely, fully and totally and restore my body. Because I know that God is calling me not to stay by the shores of certainty, but to row out into the deep water of uncertainty and faith. And out there, that's where God performs the miracles, out in the deep water. But I know the power of disappointment. And some of you here this morning, you know the power of disappointment as well. You have many reasons to stay close to the shores of certainty. And can I say, as long as you have faith, you'll also have doubts. In fact, faith is only required when we have doubts. When we have full knowledge, we don't need faith. We don't need faith. Let me remind you again of of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is confidence in what we hope and assurance about what we do not see. What we do not see. That's what faith is. See, faith is not activated in the absence of doubts, but as we overcome our doubts. Faith is activated not in the absence of doubts, but as we overcome our doubts. You know, one good reason to believe will trump all the reasons we might have to doubt. Here's my fourth and final observation. Obedience to the voice of Jesus leads to miracles by the hand of Jesus. Obedience to the voice of Jesus leads to miracles by the hands of Jesus. Simon had just enough. He had mustard seed, a man of faith. He had just enough faith to row. Where was the source of his faith? I mean, after all, he, he, he'd only really been honored Jesus as rabbi, as teacher. But we see it in his response to Jesus' request to row out into the deep. But because you say so, I will let down my nets. You see, Peter's response begins with his doubts. It's all encapsulated with the word, but. (laughs) But it's the middle of the day. But there's no fish in the middle of the lake. But I'm tired. But I'm smelly. But I want to go home. He begins with his doubts. He finishes with an act of faith as he rows out into the middle of the lake. And right in the middle between his doubt and between his act of faith is the voice of Jesus. Because you say so. Because you say so. The source of his faith was not some confidence that he welled up within him. The source of his faith was the word and the authority of Jesus. Because you say so. So every stroke of the oars was an act of faith. Every stroke of the oars was an act of faith. Every request for prayer is an act of faith. Every opportunity grasped for someone to pray for you is an act of faith. Obedience and faith led to this life-encountering moment with Jesus. I love how Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian from the 1940s, said this, one act of obedience is better than 100 sermons. 
One act of obedience is better than 100 sermons. Some miracles, they involve our sweat. Some miracles involve our sweat. Effort doesn't make miracles happen, but a lack of effort can keep them from happening. Let me say that again. Effort doesn't make miracles happen, but a lack of effort can keep them from happening. I mean, we see this all the time in the Scriptures, don't it? We, we, we see it. The, the woman who, who presses through the crowd just so she can touch Jesus that she might be healed. Or, or the men who, who get up on the roof and they scratch through the roof to lower their friend to the presence of Jesus. We see it again and again and again. People who are just desperate to be in the presence of Jesus that they might receive their miracle. Effort, effort doesn't make miracles happen. But a lack of effort can keep them from happening. I mean, Jesus could have commanded the fish to jump into Simon's boat right by the shore. The miracle could have happened there. But in rowing to deeper water, Peter's faith and his trust in Jesus, his obedience to the voice of Jesus, it grows. And it grows and it grows. And so our choice today and every day is this. It's whether we'll row for the deeper water or whether we'll stay close to the shore. What will you do? Will you row for deeper water, or will you stay close to the shore? The deep water is is scary, it's dangerous, it's uncertain, but on the deep water of faith, we meet Jesus. The miraculous happens, the adventures occur, and God is glorified. Peter respected Jesus on the shore, but now on the deep water of faith, he worshipped him. So I don't know about you. I'm thankful for the miracle that I'm standing in front of you this morning. Because that is a miracle. It's a miracle that I'm here. You know, five years ago, I stood in a doctor's surgery, in a specialist surgery, who basically said I had a terminal diagnosis. I'm here today. I'm not completely healed, but God is doing a miracle in my body. God is doing a miracle in my body. What miracle does he need to do for you? Is it in your body? Is it in your finances? Is it in your family? Where is the miracle that God needs to do in your life? What is the miracle that you've stopped praying for? Because you don't want to be disappointed anymore. Will you row with me for deeper water? Will you hear the voice of Jesus who says, Ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking. That's what the scriptures say. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. You hear the voice of Jesus saying this, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe and you have received it and it will be yours. Do you believe the voice of Jesus coming through the the, the apostle Paul? That our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than what we ask for or imagine according to His power that's at work within us. Do you hear the voice of Jesus calling you to the deeper water? What is the miracle that God is calling you to believe for this morning? At the end of the service, after we close, I'd love to pray with you and for you. I know there'll be others that'd love to do that as well as we stand together in faith, the faith that God gives us to believe for whatever that miracle might be. I'd love for some of you to pray for me um, because every opportunity I have in whatever church, it may be right here today in Tamworth that God gives me that extra miracle. And I'm going to believe for that this morning. 
there may be some of you here this morning who've never believed, never come to experience the greatest miracle of all, which is the miracle of new life. And I want to give an opportunity for that right now. And the, the greatest miracle that any of us can experience in this place is when God takes our heart of stone and transforms it into a heart of flesh. When He takes a, a dead, a life that's dead in sin and selfishness and brings it alive in, in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. When, when God takes our mess and, and turns it into a miracle. You know, the scriptures are really clear about this. The Apostle Paul in Romans says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, as Peter did, we recognize his authority, that he is in fact God. If we confess with our mouth that he is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. That is the greatest miracle in the scriptures we see is that God sent his son to die for us but rose, raised him from the grave. We confess Christ with our mouth and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. We will be saved. We will be saved. And you might be here this morning. You've never experienced that miracle before. And God has planted the seed of faith in your heart this morning to believe that. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that right now as we close out our service. So I'm going to invite all of us just to bow our heads in prayer. and We're going to pray. And uh, if that's you this morning, if you've come with a friend who's invited you to church and, and this is all new to you and, and you're not sure about it, but you hear the voice of Jesus and you're saying in your own heart, because you say so, Lord, because you say you are the Son of God, because you say that I can be saved, I, I'm going to row out the deep of water. I'm going to believe the miracle of faith and life in Jesus' name. I, I simply want you to pray this prayer with me. Just pray it in the silence of your hearts. As, as I, as I pray. And let's all pray this prayer together as a, as a sign and symbol of unity and faith together. Jesus, we thank you so much for your life, your death, and your resurrection. We confess, I confess that you know, I've, I've mucked up, that I've failed, that I've sinned. I recognize and acknowledge you as Lord, that is, as God, as Savior, as King in my life. I believe, Jesus, that you are raised from the dead, that you're seated at the right hand of the Father, that one day you'll come to judge the living and the dead. I place my life in your hands. I trust my life to yours. I receive your free gift of salvation. In Jesus' name. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.